Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast. Brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. All right, all right, all right. Right? <laughs> Guys, um, yeah, that's that's about the update since the last time you heard from me. But, you know, still kicking, still here, still trusting God through everything, knowing and seeing the demonstrations of his power and presence in life and specifically my life, my family's life. Um, so we are now to the song Far Cry from the album In Our Lifetime question mark from 1981. And um the song Um, the biggest gem, I want to call it, in Marvin's catalog where fuck Motown, okay, that what they did to me, okay, I've got personal beef with Motown for what they did to me, okay, um, keep in mind, I'm somebody that's experiencing this album initially in, I'm 17, possibly I'm 16, you know, let me, let me give it that possibly I'm 16. So if that's the case, this could have been happening in, hold on, I always have to, I don't know why this is always so difficult for me. Okay. The year is always when you're behind how old I am. So 95. Possibly this is going down in 95, 1995, or it's going down in 1996 in my life. This album was released in 1981. Fuck Motown for fucking up my life in 1995 or 1996. Okay. I, this is my personal beef with Motown. Definitely by the point in time that I'm first coming across this album, I have a very pure knowledge of Marvin Gaye. I have a very pure knowledge of where Marvin Gaye is falling into my everyday life. The pedestal that I have him on just as a get through life resource, a source of joy, source of guidance, source of beauty. And the one thing that really sticks out to me to feel a definite type of way about on this project in our lifetime 
is that it's, and I get this information before I listen to the project, right? Because I've explained to you, I, I'm fucking up before I listen to note one of this project. I read through the liner notes. And just one little tidbit, by the way, um, I just to make sure I was fully versed on what there is to be said about this song in particular, I went ahead and reread through the liner notes of my original issue. And then I just now went through the liner notes of the re the expanded edition, which is released in, I don't know, that I can't see. People, these fucking um, font sizes in these <laughs> little liner note books <laughs> are tame too much. You know what I'm saying? Like, who can read this shit? You don't even have to not be old like I am. And still, who can fucking read this shit? Where did I... Um, did it tell me it's like 2006 that this reissue is released? I don't know. Does it tell me that anywhere that I can actually see the font? Anyway, you know, whatever. It's in the two. I can guarantee it's in the two thousands that this reissue comes out. Anyway, I read through um, the liner notes of both versions. Ritz's article is the same from both. So, um, but fuck Motown. Like you know what? If I could put the title with this episode is going to be like where you can read it <laughs> which I won't <laughs> I got balls but I ain't doing all of that it would be far cry parentheses far cry dash 1981 Marvin Gaye's in our lifetime parentheses fuck Motown okay that's the title of this episode and I'm telling you that I am coming from fuck Motown on my personal beef with those motherfuckers on what they fucked up my life from, let's say it was 95 or 96 until 2006. Is that 10 years? <sighs> I'm reading through the liner note before I listen to note one of this album in 95 or 96. And therefore, beforehand, I am given the information that what I will be hearing subsequently of the song titled Far Cry is a travesty is a suable offense is I want to sue you Motown offense of how fucking dare you how fucking dare you desecrate and mutilate Marvin Gaye's art have by now we not established Marvin gay's intent when it comes to his art he would rather you not play it than fuck with it don't fuck with his art that's during his lifetime when he said that through to today recognize so Definitely at the interview that you can visually see Marvin Gaye say that this shit right here has gone down, which is further informing his opinion and view on his art. Don't fuck with it.
I'm reading through the expanded version here to get a little uh, liner notes to get a little bit more date information. And so, um, it seems this album is released in January, 1981. And yes, let's revisit and recap what we know as the place that Marvin Gaye is in, in his life working on this project. Um, and it has, you know, stretched out for some time. The, the number of years little indicator that keeps getting thrown out is that, oh, Motown had been waiting for three years to get product from Marvin Gaye by the time that it is released in January of 1981. So it's that since 78, they were waiting since here, my dear, right? They've been waiting to get a new album from Marvin Gaye. Let's look at modern day times. You know what I mean? Like you've got some kind of more uh big pop stars that are known nowadays kind of younger pop stars too that are known nowadays and it is a known thing well let's go to bad bitch rihanna right <laughs> what's the thing like any of her are they called the navy or whatever right it's like Y'all have been waiting for product from your queen for years, right? That is what happens nowadays. Get your life. These people are artists. They are not product. And there has to be inspiration and there has to be vision to give you quality product. And that's not even the fucking top priority it's them being true to their art so yes nowadays it's pretty common that these people get burnt out their touring obligations their touring schedules um the promotion and just the go go go-ness of it they get burnt out and they are allowed in this day and age to honor and respect their bodies their psyches, you know what I'm saying? Like what they need to rejuvenate. And they kind of get the remuneration around that shit too that affords them to be able to take years off in between projects and just kind of regroup and live life. You know, one thing I'm going to give Maxwell, shout to him because he honors that. Sade too, shout to her. Those are two artists that honor that aspect of living their lives Okay, fuck the demand on me for product. I am a true and genuine artist and I am going to create my art when I'm inspired to do so. Okay, and both of their mentalities is life living needs to happen in order to support that inspiration and the ability to create the art. So y'all are going to have to wait years and I don't apologize for that. So definitely that was not the luxury that Marvin Gaye was afforded throughout the entirety of his career under the fucked ship of Motown. I know I made that word up now too, but that's exactly what it was. Motown had, and I, I, I'm speaking on it. I don't give a fuck. Fuck Motown. It's the name of this episode. Um, they just really did a fucked way of viewing that they they didn't if they 
could wrap their minds around what I've just spoken here for the past few minutes, they did a real fucked way of demonstrating that. Fuck Motown. And I don't know how much of that flows up directly to Gordy. But it was Gordy's company. And I can guarantee you, by the time we're at this stage in the game, in life and number of years and what the year was and how long Motown's been in existence and whatever... Like that company had morphed into the machine that it had become. And Gordy himself was less and less like the primary day-to-day operations handling and hands on every single part of things. I will concede that, but that was still his fucking company. You know what I mean? And so how it really operated and represented the accountability is on him. Listening to his own autobiography, by the time that we're getting into this time frame with various of his artists, he's kind of conceding that I, I, you know what? I'm going to state it that the, when I heard him give his take, I equated it to something that I've experienced in my career. So I'm going to tell you what I've experienced in my career at one point. My first gig into HR, I was working for the vice president of this organization, the vice president of HR of this organization. And so she was in head of the whole entire thing of HR, which was big. And her mindset, and she flat out said it, she would tell us this actually regularly. (laughs) It was, and it was fucked up, (laughs) but she owned it and she expressed it to us. She would say, I like to get people for sale. You know what I mean? Like I am going to lowball you on your salary Kind of, it's up to you if you are going to push back and negotiate. But yeah, when it comes to what I'm going to offer you right off of the bat, I'm going low. And I'm doing that on purpose, right? Um, by this kind of point in time in Motown, we got some mega, mega superstars that are becoming a little bit more and more aware. Um, I would say probably the first person notably at Motown that became kind of very aware of their star power and kind of the strength of numbers that they were bringing in was Mary Wells. This is very, very far before this time. But kind of based on that, she got some offers to go other places and she took those offers. And so that was kind of a tumultuous break and an abrupt break. But she went elsewhere where she was offered more money. That didn't actually end up panning out for her. But she felt a way about seeing kind of the success that she was bringing to the company via, you know, kind of her solo contributions and feeling that she wasn't being properly remunerated for that. Is that the right word? I'm going to have to look that word up. Remuneration. Actually, let me look it up right now. I'm going to get, I found my hard copy old school dictionary the other day. I was like, oh, wow. This thing is huge, dude. Where did I find it? Where's my dictionary? Okay. Big ass, thick, hardbound book. And so I've been seeing that word lately and I feel like I thought I knew what it means, but let me make sure we numeration. Let's get a word today that we'll learn. Why not? What else have we got to do? Um, I can't see it. You guys, That's that's got to be all on me, right? 
Renumber, renume, renunciation. As I'm looking for it, I will say that I think it just means like financial compensation. Well, that's hilarious. I couldn't find it because I am saying it wrong. It's remuneration, not renumeration. So remuneration. Yes, let's learn a word today. Let's get that word right. But it's compensation. It's your pay or financial compensation provided in exchange for your services performed. Um, okay. So, you know what I mean? It was like, she was a hot commodity at the time and she knew her value, right? She knew her worth and she went someplace where she was promised to receive that. Um, that place that she went to just didn't have like the full blown backing machine of Motown to create more hits for her to have that same level of success, but she had a point, you know, and she made it. So by the time of, you know, in our lifetime, kind of hugely what's going on. I have, I talked to you in the last episode. Actually, let's, that'll be cool to do too. I'm going to come over right now to our Ebony magazines, my family's Ebony magazine collection. And I remember growing up, um, this was a more current episode, episode issue that had come out when I was a child. It's right here. It's like the first one in the little case here. It's got Diana Ross on the cover. Diana Ross, $20 million superstar, talks about leaving Motown. Her divorced husband, their unusual arrangement, her relationship with Barry Gordy and the Florence Ballard tragedy, November 1981. During this time frame, huge stars from Motown are becoming very aware of their worth and this is having to carefully put that back in place. Um, Gordy himself explains in his autobiography that he's reading the little audio book of it, that he basically let it be that people left for more money. I'm going to leave it at that. But that's what went down, including Diana Ross. So he kind of, my take on him going through speaking to that was that at the end of the day, perhaps he had a little bit of second thoughts about that. But at the same time too, it's what went down, what went down in the moments. So there's just, when you can kind of have some pushback to paying somebody with their worth, that's kind of fucked up. It's kind of fucked up. I'm kind of being, mm, what's the word I want to, like, kind of, I feel like I'm being pulled. I kind of feel like I'm trying to be puppeteered, but I am not the fucking one. I am not the fucking one. But it feels like, motherfuckers think that they can puppeteer me right now under the, oh, it would be best if you take unemployment or, oh, it would be best for us because we got a loan to be able to pay everybody now that you come back full time. It would either be best for us that we don't have to pay you anything or right now it would be best for us that we can pay you because then we don't have to pay back the loan. Um, excuse me. In the whole course of all the calculations of that shit, if it ain't working out to my benefit, fuck you. 
You know what I'm saying? I am not the one. You're going to be fucking puppeteering me. Okay. If we got to be going through some changes right now, though, I will be coming out um, ahead on that shit. Like not underneath. Y'all going to be fucking me for what works best for you. I am not the one. <sighs> I'm not saying that these people were the ones like that. But when it comes to a place where you got to let motherfuckers know that you are not the one and they still have the nerve to kind of try and push back on you on like what you need to do for their best benefit. It's like, no, fuck that. And so I just really kind of think that by the time we're at this place in Motown's history, we're seeing some parting of ways and it's kind of over some fucked up reasons, dude. The most fucked up reason of all. Between Marvin Gaye and Motown, why their shit came to an end isn't even over remuneration like that. It's not that Marvin's playing the field and he's out there trying to just kind of get figures and, and numbers together and a counter offer and anything like that. And now he's just trying to come to the table and say, hey, this is what I'm worth. I need to be paid this to stay. No, that's not. This is not going to be the situation that we're talking about for what the fucking final straw was that broke Marvin's back being over at Motown. And I want to sue Motown. How many times throughout the course of this have I said that I want to sue Motown for the shit that they have fucked my life up with and fucking with my ability to have unrestricted access to Marvin Gaye's art that Marvin Gaye was creating that he wanted me to hear. Okay. Fuck Motown. So Marvin is over in London, right? And let me go back. We know that, yes, Marvin has reached rock bottom in all facets of life as he's at this place. Quick little recap again. He starts working on this in his Marvin Gaye studios. The project, entire project is being um, envisioned as a project called Love Mountain. It's going to be more superficial and disco oriented, just little pop corn pop no deep message music project he is coming off of here my dear that was not a commercial success so you know he's trying to get back to a position that he's been very familiar with being in for the past decade and so he's looking around at kind of what is going on music wide at that time. And it's what's selling is this more superficial shit. So he starts trying to create something like that. Marvin Gaye is a genuine artist. There are some musicians, you know what I'm saying? Like they're going to tell you that they're a musician or whatever. Or they play their instrument or whatever. But there are some of them, if you just really pay attention, they label themselves to you as an artist. And that is who Marvin Gaye was and how he identified himself as an artist. His medium was music. There are painters. There are, you know what I mean? There's visual art. He made musical art. He's trying to fuck around with some superficial shit and it's just not within him to create a project like that. So yes, now the IRS comes in and Marvin's room is being confiscated and his properties are being confiscated for back taxes. So he goes off to Hawaii and he 
is continuing to try and work on this project. And they say it's actually at that point that he starts to rework the lyrics from tracks that he's already created um, to be more meaningful. So he's starting the process in Hawaii of reworking this thing. Then he's in, you know, desperate need of money. He gets approached by this concert promoter to go over and do a short tour over in England. He goes and does that. Doesn't work out. The one little caption they want to give on it is that Marvin failed to show up for a performance for a princess. Fuck a princess. I'm so... I am not the person, and this is very much from my HR background. I could give a fuck about whatever your title is in whatever company or organization that you work with, okay? When you are a professional in human resources, you are sitting at the table with members of management up to the highest levels, you know? I'm having conversations in closed-door rooms with presidents of organizations. I could give a fuck what your title is. Who are you as a human being? Are you an asshole? Are you a piece of shit? That's the only thing that I give a fuck about. I can give a fuck about your title. That translates out to royalty and all of that shit too. Because what the fuck is that? When you really think about that, oh, just because somebody needs to be like 20 levels above you, you believe that? I don't. So yeah, okay. I guess he was too late to show up to this concert for this princess. And that was just, oh, such a no-no. Fuck that. He is Marvin Gaye, bitch. Have we not established that already? So it's like, excuse you, you could have waited another 15 minutes. He did show up. And why did he say that he couldn't? And what is a factuality statement? We know what his life is consisting of at this point in time. And the reason that he's saying that he can't show up is because he's emotionally, physically drained and exhausted. Think that was probably the truth in the case? Hmm. Yeah. But despite that, he ends up showing up. This bitch has just already left. Yes, I said it. So what the fuck ever, dude? (laughs) So he, by choice, kind of is looking at everything, assessing the situation, and it's just kind of half of one or half of the other. You know what I mean? He's no more fucked to just stay on over there in London than going back to deal with all of this shit that's going on in America. So he ends up staying over in London. And this was a whole bunch of detail that just got um, given to me. And actually, I pointed out this little tidbit of something that I came across possibly in an episode that I actually did release and I totally lost my train of thought, so I didn't elaborate on it. So I will do it now, but they go very specifically into explaining how Marvin got shown the studio that he began recording in, in London. First of all, they were saying it's like right down the street from where he was staying, but that additionally, it was the studio where all of the Motown acts would go and do their top of the pops performances and interviews while they were over there so that's the studio that marvin ended up starting to record in in london um and that the who was also recording in that entire studio but then okay you know i don't okay I have a lot of exposure, I guess, to other people outside of Marvin Gaye that I choose to have exposure to. It's definitely a by choice type of thing. Okay, that's for sure. There are also just like a lot of other very huge music acts that I don't know 
one thing about, and I have not heard one note of their music. Okay. And that's also my choice. So, um, at this time that Marvin is over in London, I guess, you know, he's just checking out the scene, right? Like we know that. And at one point he is attending a concert by a group called Pink Floyd. I don't know who they are. I've never heard a song of theirs and I'm proud of that. Okay. So Marvin though knew who they were. I know they're huge. I know a lot of people are like hardcore Pink Floyd fans or whatever. I can, I can tell you, perhaps I have been exposed to a note of their music, not because I turned it on, but like I was hearing it. And just from that, it wasn't able to go any farther. You know what I mean? So for whatever reason, Marvin is not the musical snob that I am. (laughs) You know, that is one thing to very much point out. (laughs) Marvin was very aware of other artists and was very able to give some dab. Marvin enjoyed James Taylor. I do enjoy James Taylor. Marvin enjoyed James Taylor, though. Uh, James Taylor readed How Sweet It Is. Marvin appreciated that. So, you know, Marvin was aware of very well-rounded, you know, musical comrades during his time. And so he knew who Pink Floyd was, and he's in attendance in the audience at a Pink Floyd concert in England. And they see that. So they call him up on stage and he gets up on stage and I guess like on stage and on the spot. And they said in this article that I was reading or whatever, actually I came across it on YouTube. Yeah, I came across it on YouTube. And then I guess I was reading the notes. Um, cause I guess I have YouTube on my TV and that's always only gives you very limited information, but then you can like find that exact same video on your computer. And then you can see actual notes that people might include with their uploads. The same, just a little tip on mine. You can see my YouTube videos on your TV and then that's all you can see. But also if you view it on your computer, I always put a link to this podcast in my notes on my YouTube videos. So I came across this on YouTube and this it's giving me this little essay. And so it explains that real time and in the moment when Marvin got up on stage with Pink Floyd, this is one of the first mashup songs that ever happened in history where it's two totally different artists and they're just like remixing it it's pink floyd and marvin gay and i think what they did is let's get it on but like to pink floyd's stylization of it and marvin got up on stage and he's like actually it might not have been let's get it on it might have been something even maybe a little bit more obscure from his 1960s catalog but like he got up on stage and they did on the spot like this little mashup of one of his songs to like their instrumentation and so it sounded crazy right and it was just like whatever that was well after that like they had such a good time doing that on stage that marvin hooks up with them throughout the time that he's there they're in their studios too doing their thing so he goes and he visits them in their studio and they actually do an entire album together of that, that shit, these mashups. Um, and so this became very, it was, this was a very like fast moving article read for me. Hold on. Let me maybe see if I can Google this right now. Um, in YouTube, pink Floyd and Marvin Gaye. That's what I'm going to look for and see if it brings up a result because 
This was, yeah, okay. Marvin Gaye and Pink Floyd, Requiem for a Dream. The story of Marvin Gaye and Pink Floyd's unreleased album. Hold on. I cover them. Ah, I turned it down. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys. I love my baby. Okay? Do you not understand that by episode 40 of this podcast series? And... Whatever this YouTube video is, it is a 48 minute and 19 second long video. And it's called Marvin Gaye and Pink Floyd Requiem for a Dream. Full album. It says, like, I don't know, how do you pronounce it? Triple poetic or whatever. Um, mm, mm, mm. So yeah, now I'm in the video and on my computer and there it's like a paragraph and paragraph and paragraphs long story explaining what the fuck this is. And I, I just was reading it and I just couldn't, it was going too fast for me, like to just really understand it. I think because of how much I don't know who Pink Floyd is and all of this shit, but go ahead and yeah, if you just go into YouTube and type in Pink Floyd and Marvin Gaye, it's going to bring you to this and it's just explaining um, it's just after the chemistry of this impromptu performance. I just quote, so I just read that. Um, you know, like Marvin actually goes over to their studio and is just continuing to do mashups with them. Like they were just having an, a good time. They respected each other's work and shit. And like it, came into fruition like they did this but i believe that what it was hold on Mm -hmm. yes what it was is that motown would not give the release for a project to be released using marvin's likeness or vocals from his own previous recordings with them because things were probably pretty contentious with Motown and Marvin at this point. This is happening in 1981, I'm seeing. And, but they were like, no, they didn't sign off on it. And so he was not able to get permission to do. I mean, because when you think about that, it's exactly what that is. It's copyrighted material that they're fucking with, right? They're remixing it, but contracting and and the way things work over at Motown Marvin's product isn't really even fully all his own so he wasn't able to just because he wanted to do it if they didn't sign off on it this thing wasn't able to move forward hold on let me actually read this one more time and see if I can give you a little bit more intel about this because this is one of the creepiest weirdest things that ever came about let me just finish my thought before I pause that, how I said I love my baby, but I'm not able to listen to this. I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. I Because right now when I clicked on this video, <laughs> it somehow had me, it remembered like the last time that I had clicked onto it. So it's already progressed 12 minutes and 26 seconds into this thing. It's like it started from there. It like picked up from the la- I was only able to listen to that far into this 48 minute long. I can't do it. It's, it's not just Marvin Gaye. Okay. It's Marvin Gaye and Pink Floyd. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not on the Pink Floyd tip of things. <laughs> so 
even though that my man is in this shit, I'm not, I can't do it. I don't, I'm like, I don't want to hear Marvin sounding like that. Uh, so I can't do it. Perhaps you can, you know, power to you, full if your musical mindset is able to expand like that. I can't. Now you can't, I can't elaborate on my Marvin Gaye intake like that. It, I can't expand like that. Okay. It needs to be in pure form for me. I need it to be high octane. And this is not that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what? I'm even props to Marvin because he did it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, he was a part of this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, now. Mm. So hold on. Let me just read this a little closely again and I'll try and throw out some important things about this because it's a very bizarre who would have thought that this actually really happened and if you didn't know that it happened you probably did not know that this happened but if you can get down with Pink Floyd you might be interested in in taking a listen to this so hold on one sec Okay, the first thing that I'm finding is the time frame is a little bit off it is still in 1981 but it is after in our lifetime has been released and it's Marvin has thankfully been moved over to Belgium and he was on his own short tour. Um, it's called the heavy love affair tour kind of over in that part of Europe. And on days off, he would come back over to the United Kingdom. And so one time on a day off from his own tour that he was doing that, he popped into this Pink Floyd concert. They pulled him up on stage. And yes, he did get up and do a rendition of Let's Get It On over Pink Floyd's Shine On You Crazy Diamond. I have no idea what the fuck that is, what that would sound like, whatever. But they went ahead and mashed up those two songs like that. And it says somehow there is a recent, according to whenever this is posted, Oh, January 6th of 2020. This is up here. So recently, a piece of footage from that concert has been found. So it says in late 1981, before returning to the United States. Now, did Marvin... Yes, I think that for a short time, Marvin did return to the United States when he was over in... um Europe. I think it had to do around his mother's health. I know that, yeah, I think that he, his mother got sick and she was in the hospital and that brought him home at one point. I don't think that was the final reason that he came home. I think the final reason that he, you know, ended up coming back over here kind of permanently was because, you know, he had now signed to CBS records and sexual healing and he needed to kind of come and promote it over here and all of that shit. Um, what sexual healing though, that's September of 82. So that's like a long way off, but I do believe that at, one point kind of before he was permanently back here, he did return to the United States for a period of time because his mother had gotten pretty sick and was in the hospital. Pretty sure about that. Not being like his permanent return to the United States. Um, 
Because it, I feel like there was those two times, like Marvin came back to the United States because his mom was sick. And then he came back to the United States because he was signed with CBS. Sexual healing was out. It was a hit. And he was coming back over here to just kind of triumphantly return. But I don't feel like that triumphant return was coinciding with his mom being sick and in the hospital. That detail is in Jan's book. Um, and I just, right now, I don't, that's not really even a point that I have to clarify and make. But in this little thing about Pink Floyd, they're saying that in late 1981, before returning to the United States, quotations, um, Marvin popped in and recorded eight versions of his songs from Motown over versions of Pink Floyd songs. Wow, guys. Okay. So yeah, this thing is pretty fucking cool. I don't, I, somebody's going to take fan number one titillation away from me then because somebody is going to be able to sit through this thing and listen through it. And they now are officially fan number one over me because I can't do it. <laughs> But what happens is, yes, Marvin hooks up with Pink Floyd after he steps on stage with them like that and goes in and records eight of his previous Motown songs over their shit. And here they are. If this world were mine, ain't no mountain high enough, stubborn kind of fellow. What's going on? Ain't that peculiar? If I could build a, my whole world around you, the song with Tammy Terrell, a wonderful one. Let's get it on. And then also, I guess what's in here is the let's get it on live recording when he stepped up on the stage and did that with them. Um, he, they're explaining at this point, the bullshit with Motown has already gone down, which we haven't even fully gotten into yet. We haven't even gotten into it yet, but the bullshit with Motown has gone down. Marvin is wanting to be free from them. He's considering himself a free agent and he is really wanting to push himself into new creative directions. Marvin has an open mind with his art. He's He did this with Pink Floyd. I have to listen to it now, okay? Now it's not even not mandatory. I can't be giving you guys mandatory assignments of shit that has to be listened to, and then I myself am recusing myself from having to do the same thing, okay? So, fuck. Now I have to listen to this 48-minute-plus just real weird-sounding shit. But it is my man, so I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, Marvin's wanting to consider himself a free agent, and he's he, he decided to do this. Like, this was a new project that he decided to do. And so there was a record company that was interested in trying to move forward with releasing this project. But it was at that point through the negotiation process with Motown to make this thing happen and be able to be released. Motown wouldn't sign off on letting their now probably no longer with them artists, right? Is that like a little form of punishment, right? Like they're not going to let that happen. Because what really could have been the gamble? I do, you know, even me, let me break this down. Like even I don't give a fuck and don't know no one of a Pink Floyd song, but I, I already said it. I understand they are a humongous act. And there are some very, very loyal fans for them. What's really the risk? People know who the fuck Pink Floyd is. They would probably have devoured this project. Right? There's not really like a whole lot of risk and gamble like, oh, Marvin was trying to partner up with some unknown bullshit act. 
that he's just fucking up Motown songs with. It's like, no, like, these are two really powerhouse musical artist groups trying to come together, acts trying to come together and do something very unique. And, but the kibosh was put on it by Motown. So it did get pressed up and they were like trying to move forward with being able to get it to happen, but it just was not able to be approved. So somehow it says a limited amount were pressed up in late 1881 in hopes that it would be able to be released, but it wasn't able to happen. So I don't know then from all of that. That's what I'm saying. Like I was reading through this and I just didn't understand. You know why? Because I don't know who the other people outside of Marvin are that they're talking about. Because like I said, I don't know one thing about Pink Floyd. And so they're definitely talking to you as if you know who somebody from Pink Floyd is. Um, and like, okay, so there's something here from Pink Floyd, another video, 66 million views, right? Like people know who Pink Floyd is. I don't. Um, but somehow I feel like, all right, so then we have these eight songs plus the bonus live recording version. I have to listen to this now, guys. Gosh. Um, somehow triple poetic or ill poetic. Is it ill poetic or triple poetic? I can't even tell what it says. Is it ill poetic? I don't even know who that is, um, or what that is, but they have now released these songs. And so that's what I'm struggling as I'm listening to this. It is just so outer space. And it's not Marvin Gaye. It doesn't sound like Marvin Gaye. I don't want to hear Marvin like that, damn it. I really don't want to hear him like that, but I will listen to it just because I know, like, he signed off on it. Um, but what I'm not understanding is even if the version of this that I'm listening to is an additional remix by this ill poetic or triple poetic or whoever the hell these people are, um, but you go through like the reviews on it, like people can leave comments and there is nothing but just people with really open minds loving this shit. They're like, this is everything for life. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people really, 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 really love this shit. So that's why I'm going to have to fucking listen to it. But, um, yeah, this happened. I, I it happened. Marvin did that. Like he did. Marvin did. <laughs> you know what I'm about to say? It's the theme to the show. Marvin Gaye is the baddest motherfucker that there ever is. He's so fucking bad. He had an ability to understand that he would be breaking the world to partner up with Pink Floyd and let them fuck with his music like that. Okay. He did. I got to listen to it then. Okay, I will. I will. But anyway, the only reason that I actually just went into all of this right now is because, like I said, I know a few episodes back, I may have started to say, oh, I came across something and I'll tell you about it later. And I totally glazed over it because I totally forgot to dive this in depth into what the fuck I had to say about it. 
or it was in a version that I recorded and didn't release or whatever. But yeah, so that's the only reason why I have detoured into telling you about all this right now. What do we know? I can talk about Marvin Gaye. It's not going to flow with the last thing that I was just telling you, but it was all about Marvin Gaye. So now <laughs> this is all taken care of. That's all I want to tell you about that. Just Google in YouTube, Pink Floyd and Marvin Gaye. It's going to give you the result for this shit. You can listen to it. Um. Okay, let's get back to Fuck Motown. I am 16, 17 years old. I'm getting into the liner notes and I am made aware that what I will be hearing in a few minutes of the song titled Far Cry is the thing that is the reason why Marvin Gaye signed with CBS Records at a point. Okay. Because what do we know? Like from the time that Marvin had an official record deal it was with Motown and his entire career minus sexual healing was with Motown and that was 20 plus years actually at this point in time it's exactly at 20 years right because I feel like he's officially signed um in 61 to Motown and this is 81 so that's a 20 year stretch dude wow when you think about that in nowadays terms and times it's very rare do you know are you the person have you worked one place for 20 years straight my sister has i ha- i can guarantee you i have not and i will not by the time <laughs> <laughs> The time that I get done working because either I will die or I will retire, um, there will not be an employer that I logged in 20 hours or 20 years with. Unless that final employer ends up being me. Okay. But, um, yeah, cause I am not the one. I, ooh, I was telling my sister. <laughs> oh, fuck. Right before I started to record this, I talked to all of my family tonight and I was talking, my one sister I was talking to and I just said, I am not the one, I am not the fuck. And then I was like, like, I have to tell you that, right? Like, you know that I'm not the one. I have never been the one that just goes along with what a boss says that could be completely fucked up or outside of my comfort zone or, you know, like too far across my boundaries. And I just, it just ends up going down that I just go along with some bullshit. I am not the one that results. And there is not an employer that I have been working with for 20 years. When the bullshit gets to be way the fuck too much, I could give a fuck about longevity versus my principles and boundaries and what the fuck I have to make sure is being maintained for balance and flow in my life. Okay, so yeah, employers get sacrificed for that shit. So I have absolutely... No qualms or embarrassment about, yeah, I am not going to be anybody that will work someplace for 20 fucking years. Well, like I said, unless that last employer ends up being me. So, but Marvin did, you know, he worked someplace for 20 years. And so when you think about him, when you just think about my commentary on Motown up to this point, before we get to this episode where the parentheses have to be fuck Motown, like I've already told you a lot of issues that I have with Motown. I've already told you about how I would like to sue Motown for the fact of 
unreleased material of Marvin Gaye's that they have had or that they made the decision at the real time to not release of Marvin Gaye and make me have to wait 20, 30 years until after the fact that they just get into their vault because they realize how important Marvin Gaye is to the planet still today. And that there are people that don't give a fuck about what label that he would have made certain music on. Marvin Gaye made the music. Now, shame the fuck on me that I really have so much hesitation to listen to that Pink Floyd thing and that I already tried to listen to it. And that's the reason why I stopped. And that's the reason why I was saying that I don't listen. <laughs> I'm a Marvin purist. Okay. And I, I'm not ashamed to say that either. Like, I just want my Marvin pure. You can't fuck with it. I don't want you to fuck with the Marvin. <sighs> but just because Marvin actually did that, like that happened in his time, he on purpose went and did that and made that project that sounds like that. And so I need to listen to it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, the only reason why I am kind of struggling with it is because even what is on that YouTube video, I don't know if that is what has been remixed even from what Marvin and Pink Floyd did. To, it's just because I don't know what the fuck Pink Floyd's music sounds like, but I, if it sounds... I'll do it. I can't guarantee that I'm going to do it in one fell swoop. Okay? Like that, look. There's the compromise. But anyway, um, Marvin worked with Motown for 20 plus years straight and trust and believe there was a lot of bullshit involved with that. Okay. Now we have discussed it. Um, the just bullshit over the top competitiveness really just having to almost just not almost having to get stupid out in the fucking hall to like get your fucking project shown the respect and the promotion that it deserves working under this little kind of fucked up competitive producers are the top dogs and the artists are just kind of the resources and get up on the mic now bitch because it's you know what i'm saying and so they're doing marvin like that and marvin has to kind of like because he ain't the one like that so we almost got to come to blows right now just so i can record your fucking song and when that incident happens, that's in the back. If it's in the back of my mind, and this is not going to come into fruition for a few years, even still from here, just because of kind of how fucked up this society is in this little organization. That is the breaking point that lets me understand nobody's going to give a fuck about my career more than me. Nobody's got my back more than me up in this motherfucker. And there is going to come a point in time where I will be doing all the production of my art. And then from there, once he gets to that level and that's what he's doing, so we get what's going on and we get Trouble Man and we get Let's Get It On and we get I Want You and, well, I Want You is kind of a one-off, but it's definitely all Marvin's flair on it, right? And then we get Got to Give It Up and we get Here My Dear, right? Like, there's all of that. Now we're finally in that. But hand in hand with that artistic freedom that he's now attained and achieved is this constant bottom line numbers, 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 profit, 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 but still not even at the level that Marvin Gaye deserves. Though, don't get it twisted, he's negotiated for himself much better contracts than what he had originally. But even still, his remuneration on that shit is not what it... 
I, when you just, I think like when we look at it from a today perspective back onto that and just kind of a today perspective to know our baby is not still here, right? He was taken too soon. If we want to look at it like that, you know, he was somebody that didn't need to be here until today going through the Rona, you know what I mean? But, um, when we just have the ability in this day and age to understand the magnitude of uh, the baddest motherfucker that there ever is, uh, his remuneration could have been whatever it needed to be, you know, royalty level. You know what I mean? So that's just probably me talking more shit on that point in fact that needed to be the case because definitely at his heyday Marvin had it going on you know 15s to 20 of cars houses here there and everywhere you know just he was living large that's for sure um so I don't know that that necessarily needs to be like a really sticking point but you know, aside from that, what is always going on predominantly as the report of like the interactions with Motown is you got to give us product. You got to give us product. You got to give us another album. You got to get it, you know, and you are taking time in between and that's not okay. Like that's viewed as like, we're just, the clock is always ticking on you, Marvin. You got it. You got it. You got it. You know? And it's like, that's the contrast with today. Like I'm saying, like with Rihanna, with other, you know, just huge acts of today. They, uh, there's another one, right? They can take years in between their projects. They can drop a project tomorrow night and they told you about it tonight, right? And they can be guaranteed that their audience is loyal to them. And that shit is going to be number one on the charts for until they're ready to let somebody else release a project now too. That, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, if they could have had a broader perspective and a broader appreciation of y'all motherfuckers had the baddest motherfucker that there ever is in comparison to these motherfuckers nowadays, he's still top in that shit. You could have shown some more respect for his artistic reality. You know what I mean? And that he's not product to you he's not a resource he's not just an asset give him time and let the fuck up off of the gas and get off of his throat dude you know what i mean like that's what i'm saying when you think about every single fucking project that we're talking about people in the 20 year span what's the dud I told you that there's this one project that we're not going to do that was from 73. I don't think that that was a commercial failure, though. You know, people appreciated that was Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross. It sold. It wasn't the most genuine project. It wasn't the deepest project. But it. I don't think that that was just like a flat out commercial failure. And even we don't really give a fuck about the commercial failures because that's what here my dear was. But oh my gosh, we have the most episodes in this podcast series on that album. There was not, you know, the commercialism shit. Like I don't have time with people that were on this planet at the time, pandemic worldwide free and y'all had just the free living ability to be out buying music that was like your biggest concerns at the time and you didn't have the ability to wrap your mind around here my dear i don't have time to fuck with you you know what i mean so 
We don't give a fuck about commercial success type Mervyn Gay's projects. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that being the case, like, what's the dud? There isn't one. And so, yes, it's like, fuck, if you're just going to always be pressuring and pressuring and putting the fucking pressure on that another project has to be released, fine, fuck. I'm going to get in and I'm going to do it. I'm going to tap into my artistic ability and I'm going to stay true to it. I'm not going to let you guys pressure me into doing something superficial just so that I can get you something on a timetable. And so definitely specifically with this project, we're, we're in this type of a situation, a scenario, right? Like he's starting out one way. He is maybe him own, his own self, very preoccupied with sales, right? Like he's, Kind of feeling a sting from, wow, these motherfuckers on the world planet right now actually weren't able to wrap their minds around here, my dear. They didn't get it. These mother, y'all can't get it. What the fuck can't you understand about this project? Okay, but you didn't. So now I got to give something else just because, you know, I have so many records that I'm obligated to do under this contract. And so it's the next project that I need to start creating. And so, wow, I can see this one kind of very, superficial type of music is really what's the big thing around the world right now and i'm gonna try and just go along with that but i can't so i'm taking my time and i'm being artistically true to myself because here's one thing that i can guarantee you marvin Gaye would have some pride about and definitely by the time that he got to his self-production of himself so really his projects are his he could look back on his catalog and aside from, I think that the one that he might tell you is that project with Diana Ross because he really didn't, I don't even know if he took executive producer credit or if he did, it was like him and Diana Ross and Barry Gordy. And, you know, it was like four or five executive producers. Hold on. I'm getting to it right now. Do I have that type of info on this very slim little liner note? booklet here does it tell me about executive producing um, yeah not on this page originally released 10 73 produced by hal davis barry gordy bob godio nicholas ashford and valerie simpson mark davis and margaret gordy wow okay <laughs> so marvin's not even a producer on this um so yeah, like that's not tied to him then. He doesn't need to have any ownership feeling over this album. It was just something that he went along with. But when it comes to his produced albums, he felt good about those things. People, you got to live your life. What's the best for you? What's integrity to you? What resides best in your core, your gut? What is in alignment with your beliefs and priorities in your needs and your boundaries and operate by that what i'm saying is oh i need to go on unemployment because i'm fucking up their budgets if i'm using up too much and then oh no though now we got this loan and so we got to bring you back because we got it that's what the loan is for so you got to come back now but we don't have any more for you to do. And it's not even any better if you're charging to our shit than that. It's like something, something, don't think that I'm fucking stupid. This loan is only going to last for so long. Oh, as soon as y'all motherfuckers are out of your loan money, I will once again become expendable. Um, Y'all ain't just going to fuck me. Y'all are not just going to fuck me. 
So, yeah, trust and believe I'm keeping my eye on this shit. Y'all ain't getting over on me. And you've got to live your life according to that. Looking out for number one. If you're an artist and you have a gift from God, the level to which Marvin Gaye did, he felt a responsibility to that gift from God and to honor it properly. He's going to talk to you about that type of stuff in his music and his work is going to reflect that type of stuff. Um, do you think that's what I'm saying? Like this constant TikTok, TikTok, patter, 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 knocking on the door, Marvin, 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 Marvin. Like he's, that was a constant, that was the reality of his relationship working there at Motown. I would not think that there's a way to synopsize that other than that right there. And the, it boils down to this. Guys, if it was, it's fuck on you because it's not the way it comes across. And that's on you. Okay? Um, despite that, the quality of artistic integrity that Marvin was constantly providing and producing was what it was. And it's at the end of his life. And that is always the question to ask yourself when it's something that you're abiding by and going along with. At the end of your life, you look back on this situation. Are you going to be down with the fact that that was something that you were down for and were riding along with? If you at the end of life, when now, what the fuck is the most important, but how you lived this life. And if you have some shit that's like going on in your life, don't let people fuck you over. Don't let anybody just be puppeteering you and you're going along with shit that no, on your last day, you're going to be able to recall that and understand that that was a way that you got fucked over because you went along with it. Fuck that. And so I can guarantee you in his catalog, he doesn't have anything to look back on like that. Once it was fully in his hands and it was what he said to do. But let's even go back before it was even completely what he said to do. Look at what the fuck he said to do. We've got Hello Broadway. We've got When I'm Alone, I Cry. We've got The Soulful Moods of Marvin Gaye. Uh, those are some very unique, don't have shit to do with Motown <laughs> projects where that was what Marvin Gaye was really about. If you're down with Marvin Gaye, those are the things that you can listen to. That's what I'm saying. Like for me, I can very much sooner sit down and yes, I'm going to listen to Hello Dolly off of Hello Broadway. Okay. Because Marvin Gaye recorded that. He had something inside of him that, um, that was a reflection of, you know what I'm saying? Like what was going on with him? That's where he was coming from. That's what he decided to do. I can listen to that. And that's pure Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? That's just Marvin Gaye singing his thing. Is it kind of a little bit like, what the fuck? Why? But he did. So I can listen to it. This other thing, this Pink Floyd thing. I don't know who Pink Floyd is. I don't like the way that their shit on his thing sounds. Okay? That's my problem with it. I know that that's my problem with it. <laughs> I don't want to have to hear the Pink Floyd shit on Marvin Gaye. Like, that's, it's a reach. It's a bit much of an ask for me, but I'm still going to fucking do it anyway because it's a reflection of what Marvin Gaye was going through at that time. Like, he was trying to expand the fuck out of his mind and his artistic vision and abilities, and that happened. 
that's not something that after the fact got fucked with and sounds like that. So I, I have to listen to it. I know now I have to listen to it. Y'all ain't gonna take fan number one away from me. Shit. Let's, let's have a contest. I better fucking, as soon as I get done recording this, I better listen to that shit now. Shit. I ain't losing my title over this shit. Ain't going down like that. So anyway, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's for real with me. You know that. Ain't gonna let it go down that I lose that title over this bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So he is being the ultimate demonstration of his artistic integrity as we are on in our lifetime. Because the fact that we're calling it in our lifetime is demonstration of the reworking and the I can't go along with just the superficial bullshit, which was the original Love Man project, right? It's got to change. It's got to change from that. And one thing that I was reading in this expanded edition is they're interviewing this young kid. This kid was 20 years old at the time. And he's the kid that's in the studio. He's the art steward in the studio with Marvin over in London. And he is talking about working with Marvin. And he was like Marvin's attention to detail and just his musical abilities and the way he would be sitting right there next to this little boy read layering his harmonies on top of each other and just the nuances and the just the little details that he was putting into everything he was like it was amazing to watch my man had a work ethic you know what i'm saying when it comes to his own product i think one thing and this is the thing that i'll never give a fuck about in listening to i will always be like and which fucking point when you want to try and talk shit about Marvin Gaye, about these things to me, oh, he wouldn't show up for rehearsals before concerts and shit. And he wouldn't, you know, like it, uh, the national anthem. Let me, let's go into that, the national anthem. And I, I think I probably pointed this out in that episode, but Marvin was breaking the world. Marvin broke the fucking national anthem. Can I? Think about that. We listened to that episode. 200 years. Song's been in existence. Marvin broke the fuck out of that. Did he not? And so. <laughs> um, you know, kind of like according. He's basically kind of coming up with doing that just either the night before or a couple days before, no more than that in advance, right? Keeping in mind, though, this is not his first time singing that fucking song. Like, he got a handle on the song. Marvin's been singing the National Anthem since 1968. We'd go to the YouTube channel. They're all there. So he knows the song. We've talked about it in 79. Right when the shit just, fuck, he could have. He had a fighter in a televised nationally televised fight this could have been the fix this could have been the fix and it didn't work out so and now he's got to sing the national anthem marvin can handle the national anthem right so now he's doing it again right and he needs to break this shit down he's gonna marvin gay nice it and oh he succeeded but it, this is occurring to him you know not months in advance right so he's doing this and he does give a rehearsal right like there's a point before we see him 
doing this that he went and did a rehearsal at the, was it the Staples Center or whatever, right? So he goes in and he does it. So he lets some people see him do this beforehand. And these people cannot handle, they cannot handle it. So they're like, they're looking at him like, what the fuck is this, dude? And they're like, oh, hell no. And they just couldn't get it. So the, he kind of caused so much of a stink and an uproar rehearsing it for them one time. And they couldn't understand it. So he didn't fucking show up for the sound check or the next. They needed, they were freaking the fuck out. Oh my God, it's the day of. And he's not here yet. And he needed to do a sound check. And there was another final rehearsal that needed to happen with the dress rehearsal or whatever, you know, and he didn't show up for it. And oh my God, is he going to show up for the performance? And it's like, fuck you. Yes. Okay. But y'all motherfuckers ain't going to be talking shit about what I'm about to do here. And y'all don't need to hear this again. I, I, and I'm Marvin Gaye, bitch. That's the thing. Fuck your little rehearsals. When you are Marvin Gaye, baddest motherfucker that there ever is, Um, something just tells me for the fact that you can always talk shit about the fact that Marvin Gaye didn't really need to fucking show up for rehearsals but gives us Marvin Gaye Live 1974, I would say one of the primary, oh, he went and showed up for the fucking rehearsals and la da 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 And listen to Marvin Gaye Live 1974 and is that not Marvin Gaye in prime tip-top shape vocally? Breaking your ass with how he's hitting those notes with strength. My man doesn't really need to do your little fucking rehearsals, dude. He don't, he, what does he have to do? This thing don't need rehearsal, bitch. Okay, so get the fuck over it. Others do. Yes, mm -hmm, that's true. Not everybody does. There's the one that we're talking about, people. There's only the one. Um. So yeah, get the fuck over it. He didn't show up for a lot of rehearsals during his lifetime. He didn't need to. I don't even know why I was talking about that except for just that I needed to talk about it. Um, he's being an very integrity artist throughout the process of this. I guess, what was I talking about? Oh, this little boy sitting next to Marvin in the studio, right? And just marveling at his multi layering of himself and his attention to the details and shit. And then I got on to talking about the star spangled banner. Um, but just how he didn't need to do rehearsal, but, oh, they were so freaked the fuck out if he was even going to show up because he did not give them the, the final rehearsal that they thought that they needed and wanted after they were talking shit about witnessing his first attempt at it. So I don't know. Marvin Gaye is just the baddest fucker that there ever is, is the point. I don't need a real fucking point to have a little scenic route detour. <laughs> Let me get back to this album though. <laughs> so, um, he's taking his time with this project, right? And I have already exposed you to my ability to understand that it is about the most spiritual project of Marvin Gaye's in his catalog. And I think the comprehension of that 
goes along threads with the fact that it's the lowest point in his life just kind of the most shambled point in his life um the little boy in sitting next to him in the studio one other little tidbit that he offers is that there was a lot of drug use going on while this was happening in the studio so we know that we know that we know what that fucked up was going on so that's the low. That's the lowest of the low. But then this is the product that's being created. There's some time that's being taken on this. Marvin is taking this seriously. Okay. He is taking this seriously. If he was not taking this seriously, we would not have received an album called In Our Lifetime. We would have received an album called Love Man. And it, whew, you know, Get onto your expanded issue, your expanded Love Man edition, uh, double disc, and listen to that. And yeah, no. So he was taking this seriously, okay? And he's taking his time. And he is working on it, right? In the middle of having, like, a breakdown in his life, in all areas. The relationship with Jan, the drugs, the finances, you know, his ability to be mentally coping with all of this stuff right um and the little boy that's working with him is able to observe just wow this is marvin gay though this is marvin gay doing his thing he's playing the drums he's playing the keyboards he's oh and gosh we even get this from ritz people so it's the truth it's the album that marvin did all of it by himself wow he could do it you know that's what he's doing that's what he, this is, he's doing his fucking work. Excuse me. You know what I mean? Can you back the fuck up a little bit? I'm working here. And it will be done when I'm done with it. There is a difference between these bitches that are out here nowadays and they're just taking four and five years in between projects and they're letting you know that they're not working on new music because they're doing this and that and that other adventure and venture into business and shit. No. Marvin. <laughs> was working on this he was doing it do you know what i'm saying it's like you need to shut the fuck up about how you need product from me it's not like i'm not working on it fuck motown so in this expanded edition they were outlining this like a fucking trial. Like, I can tell whoever wrote this felt, feels the way. Like, they, they told. <laughs> they told because <laughs> the first time that I am being exposed to this project, right? I fuck up because that just has to do with allowing Ritz too much access. Okay. But because I do that, before I listen to note one, I'm made aware that when we get to the song Far Cry, it is the straw that breaks Marvin's back fucking with Motown anymore. Somebody, a part of this project, steals Marvin's master tapes. Now let's talk about that because we discussed that in the save the children episode right where marvin stole his own master tapes 
when he was working on what's going on. And why did Marvin have to do that? It, well, let's, let's talk about using the term Marvin had to steal his own master tapes when he was working on what's going on. What's the problem with having to phrase that in that way? And I explain it to you. It was his. So it was fucking his. So it was his. So if he had fucking steal it, call it stealing. But is it stealing when it's your own shit? Um, he wasn't done with it. And he was heading out to LA to start filming Chrome and Hot Leather. And he wasn't done to take his hands off of it completely to let Motown just start pressing it out to get it released. So the way that he was going to control that Motown would not just say, okay, you're done. Now we need this because we got to get proud. He stole air quotes, his shit with him out to LA to ensure that these motherfuckers Motown would not release his shit before he was good with it to be released. And he put the, what the fuck is the instrument called? The thing that is the noise on, uh, mercy, mercy me. What's the instrument? It's some fucking crazy instrument, but it's that at the end. Do, 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 do. Marvin is playing that because he wanted to add that to the end of mercy, mercy me. These final touches, all of the little, with the, idiosyncrasies the intricacies the on this layer of my vocal harmony i am going to put this little lyric in that's not on the other five layers of it right like this is marvin gaye's work people bitch do you know what i'm saying and so yeah according to motown you know What's going on needs to get into production now, but Marvin needed to put that fucking, I don't even remember what it's called. It's some type of an instrument. I'd never heard of it before. And he needed to play it at the end of Mercy, Mercy Me to make that song sound the way that it does. Is that not the sound of the song? Marvin is done with his shit when he is done with his shit. Who the fuck are you? And he is no longer here. And I can guarantee you that the things in his music, the idiosyncrasies, the intricacies that we hear in his music, he is proud that we hear in his music. And don't fuck with his music. Don't fuck with his art. And if it's in there and he took the fucking time to put it in there, bitch, you better not fucking. What are you? Who are? What? So fuck Motown again. The name of this episode. In 95 or 96, uh, I am made aware that what I will be hearing for Far Cry is that somebody that was a part of this project in London stole Marvin Gaye's master tapes and shipped it to LA Motown without Marvin Gaye's knowledge or permission. Motown received it. Motown listened to it. It was too long to be a one record album. So they took his material. 
and they chopped it up, screwed it up, edited it down, took this idiosyncrasy out, took this intricacy out, shortened it up, flattened it out, fucked it up, mutilated it, and released it because it was time. They had waited too long. Product, 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 numbers, numbers, numbers. And the biggest victim of this slaughter is the song Far Cry on this project. That if you got this project in 1994 or years after, before the expanded edition happened, um, then for all of those years, hold on, let me pause. I need to give you the number of years. Okay. I need to give you the number of years, but oh my gosh, there's a possibility you're listening to this and you're not even within the years range. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Okay, I'm. I uh, that I had to. That's me breathing. That's me recognizing the degree of the offense that I was subjected to. That I want to sue the fuck out of Motown for. For me, not on behalf of Marvin Gaye. For me, y'all motherfuckers fucked my ability. This is just mine. And I'm going to tell you how it's possible that you're not even dealing with this range of years. And let's do a class action lawsuit. Okay. I get it in 90. Let's call it just to be safe to say I was 16. Say I don't remember. I smoked too much. So I'm 16. Let's call it that. This shit was not released on the expanded deluxe edition until 2007. So we will say from 2007 minus 1996. Eleven years. Oh wait, it wouldn't even been that. It'd be twelve. I can never do the math of how old I am to the year. Twelve years. For twelve years, Motown. I was subjected to undue humiliation and what are the what are the things you can sue people for? Um, uh, <laughs> what irreconcilable differences? Not those things, but just um, emotional. Uh, pain and you stole from me, you robbed from me, you took my, you know, blessing away from me for 12 years, y'all motherfuckers, for 12 years. But let's, this is why, oh my goodness, were you alive in 1981? Did you buy in our lifetime? 2007. This is agreed. This, this is against the law. 2007 minus 1981. For 26 fucking years, Motown robbed you, deprived you, subjected you to undue stress and emotional abuse. And, um, they, you know, they just robbed you. They fucking robbed you. They robbed you. And they should be sued. On the song Far Cry, um, let me give you some information here. This is it. Let me, I did this earlier too. I needed to understand this. Um, there are, it's more than two minutes. It's more than two minutes. 
of Marvin Gaye's art that if you bitches are screaming about the need for my product and I am making my product and y'all motherfuckers steal my product before I'm done with my product and then got the fucking nerve once you stole it you mutilated it you stole it and then you mutilated it and the crime is that we we that crime was done against humanity that crime was done against us that crime was done against marvin and oh my gosh but honestly it's a crime against humanity i'm this is have you you've heard by now you've heard marvin's version of far cry because that's the only way to say this. this is the only way to identify what we are talking about here by now this fucking little device you better stop <laughs> record this shit by now have you heard marvin's version of far cry if you are subscribed to my youtube channel perhaps perhaps you have seen and i want to i want to see how important is far cry to me for how many months ago did I make Far Cry the song of the day? It's months ago. Let's, let's see here. It's, I'm gonna have to scroll. I'm gonna let this do this real time and show you how long it's gonna take me in the song of the day playlist on my YouTube channel to get back. Doing it right now. Been doing it this whole time to Far Cry. Far Cry. Shit, hold on. Um, okay, I'm gonna do it and then I gotta pause it right away. So I don't. <laughs> okay, you can hear that. Eight months ago, from April 24th, I gave you Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry as the song of the day. Eight months ago, I gave you Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry as the song of the day. But if you were alive in 1981 and grown enough to want to buy in our lifetime, you were crimed against humanity to the degree to which Motown should be sued. Fuck Motown. And if you're me, it was 12 years that they made me have to wait to hear Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry and how fucking dare you that, oh God, people, oh, mm, mm. in uh, 2007 or 2008, I don't know when I bought this album. This could have been more in the time frame that I was telling you, I took a little bit of time away from Marvin, probably around this time frame. Um, I was just listening to other artists at the time. I was listening to Maxwell. I've listened to, you know, people of this time. And just Marvin was a little bit on a shelf for me. Um, 
But I can guarantee you that what would have got me back on real, real, real full track with him was this album coming out as an expanded edition. I do remember seeing the fact that this had been released. Uh, you know, you can get onto websites like Best Buy. I feel like a lot of the time, um, well, that's where I used to always buy the product when I was a teenager. But as the years progressed, right, you could then get online for Best Buy. Back in those days <laughs> when I used to have to physically go over to Best Buy and literally dig through the stack, there was no, oh, let me look up online real quick before we go over there so I can see what their inventory is so that I know had to go into the store, dig through the stack, see what they had. But then as the years progressed, you could go to bestbuy.com, type in Marvin Gaye and just see what projects are out. Is there anything that's been released since the last time I've checked? And when I saw that this had been released, uh, I, oh, um, to understand that there was a possibility that for 12 years now, since I first heard this project, and I would say if, you know, I was at the last episode or it's been episodes since I've been on this album, I'm telling you things in life that I need to um, acquire of Marvin Gaye. I need to see him in a full concert one time with my own two eyes. I want to witness that. I want a poster of him. I want to get this biography of him. Um, just, you know, Things that I want to be able to personally, you know, I want to personally be able to say that I've seen Marvin Gaye in concert and I want my own poster that I can touch and see and have hanging up of Marvin Gaye. And I want to read that book for myself of Marvin Gaye's life. Those types of things. I can guarantee you from before I heard the song Far Cry, it would be an accomplishment in life to be able to hear Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry. And I had to wait for that shit for 12 years, not knowing if that ever would be something possible to acquire in this life. Um, it, I go back to crime against humanity because if you have had an ability to hear Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry. Fuck Motown. And how fucking dare the mutilation. There's something that I read in this book was that this, the master tapes were stolen and sent to Motown by a certain date in time. I feel like that happened in 1980. I almost feel like they were saying, hold on here, hold on, let me get this in this fucking little recording device too. So let me give you these dates. Cause this is, I think this is possibly what happened. So hold on. Okay. 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 Here we go. Here we go. Something in, okay. Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry happens, it says November 1980 at the Air Studios in London, okay? 
this little boy that's working with Marvin, 20 years old, as a little boy, right? Um, he says that he felt that him and Marvin had finished the final version of In Our Lifetime as of September 1980. And see, this is how I'm saying they outlined it as a trial. Y'all already got me ready to go to the court. They give the name. They say it's the owner of the um, Odyssey's recording studio where Marvin was recording this shit is the one that took that version as of September 1980 and unbeknownst to Marvin, the owner of the Odyssey studio. Yeah, they, they're breaking it down like a trial, like it's a trial. The producer and former label executive, Wayne Bickerton, got the tape to Barry Gordy in LA. That's quotes. That's quotes. And so then, that's what Motown worked with as of a version as of September 1980. Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry. You go back pages in this book. It's labeled as an Air Studios mix outtake from November of 1980, previously unreleased. Two months after this shit is stolen from Marvin, his master tapes are stolen and they're sent back to Barry Gordy to set in LA. Fuck Motown. And two things happen. Okay. They get their version and they chop it up. They knew to late it. Mute to mutilate right they mutilated um and then they release it in january of 1981 but here's what happens but marvin just couldn't let it go he i'm re-quoting he kept retouching and revising this time across town at air recording studios okay and he's still working on it he doesn't even know that his shit has just been stolen. It's, it's, you're working, you're working on, you're working, you're doing your work. And somebody takes your work, you're writing a book, you're painting a picture, you're Marvin Gaye recording in our lifetime. You're doing your work. This is happening. I'm an artist. I, this can only happen as I'm doing. I'm not fucking around i'm doing this and i'm not done i'm baking a cake i'm making a meal the meat is not cooked are we ready to open and you're taking it now I'm not done. This is not done. This is not up to temperature. If you consume this, you're going to get sick. I, this is not ready for you. It's not safe for you to be consuming this yet. What the fuck? And that's number one. Number two, you then get it and you put it in a meat a grinder and you grind it up 
and repackage it and reformat it and make it into something totally different. And then that's what you present out to the public for consumption that can make them sick. And you got the fucking nerve to say it's from me. It's my product. I did that. Like it thought you're getting this right now because it's from me, Marvin Gaye. I, the fact that Marvin Gaye did not see them. I want to sue them. I should be allowed to sue them for the pain and suffering, the loss. Do you know what I'm saying? What are those terms, those legal terms? <laughs> the undue pain and suffering that they caused me for 12 years. To know that from the very first time I was going to listen to their mutilation, that I had to feel all the way about that because I was knowing that Marvin Gaye is no longer here. And this is not what he created. This is a mutil... I'm not exact. That is the only term to use to describe what you received in 81 or in 95 or 96, such as myself, when they first put the album onto a disc. In 2007, perhaps the terms of their asses being sued and to correct that shit. But I still want to sue you because even though you have corrected the shit, I want to sue you for the undue pain and suffering that you made me have to. How fucking, how fucking dare you let me know that for 12 years I was just having to go through life not knowing if I was ever going to be able to hear what Marvin Gaye created when he named a song, wrote a song, created a song called Far Cry. And I don't know if before I die off of this planet, I will ever be able to hear what Marvin Gaye made. Because, because you mutilated it and stole it. I want to sue the fuck out of Motown. And fuck Motown, that is the name of this episode. Because by now, if you've heard Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry, the only credit that I'm going to try to give to Motown as an organization is that, and I think I just proved that, and that's the only way that I can just have some type of a looking back at the 20-year history of Marvin Gaye with Motown and not want to sue the fuck out of Motown and just feel all the way about it since the soulful moods of Marvin Gaye. is that as Marvin Gaye was doing his work, he's a perfectionist. He wants 
perfection as close to it as it can be. He's got this gift, a level from God nobody else has ever had. He's trying to honor that and make the most of it with it as he can. The messages that he gives to us in his songs need to be on a certain level. And he respects and honors that and does not fuck with that. So he's working on this as of September of 1980. And he's not fucking through with it yet. In November of 1980, he is done with this song. But these motherfuckers didn't show him the honor and respect of his craft and gift and work that he was fucking doing to wait for him to say, here it is. Here, my dear. Oh. And what he finished in November of 1980 is what since January of 1981, humanity had the right to hear and receive. Fuck Motown. I can't, this, I'm, I can't take you through the lyrics of this song, okay? Like, ooh, I don't, I don't know that I can handle to do that. <laughs> just right now in life, in this life, what's going on, just the overwhelm of things, I guess my emotional levels right now. <laughs> you have to listen to this song. This is your own assignment. This is not pain. This is not you're a Marvin Gaye purist and you can't handle hearing Marvin and Pink Floyd. Okay. Like it's this, you have got to hear Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry. And, um, eight months ago, I gave that to you. You can listen to it at any point in time and just know that you have the right to feel all the way, the way about fuck Motown wanting to sue them, the crime against humanity that they committed, that it, took until 26 years after the fact for us to get Marvin Gaye's art untouched from him. And the message that he is giving in this song, he doesn't get to the message that he's giving to us in this song until... What we got in 1981 is a song titled Far Cry that is arbit, it's mutilated into consisting of four minutes and 28 seconds of product. And I'm hoping that actually I need to give Motown credit that the ver Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry that is completed in November of 1980 doesn't actually become Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry that is completed in November of 1980 until November of 1980, such that in my overall lawsuit against Motown, that for the mutilation that they did to Marvin Gaye's album entitled in our lifetime, including not putting the fucking question mark on the album title when they released it in January 81 from stolen master tags that they had received as of a completion date of September, 1980. 
that what they received in September of 1980 did not include a six minutes and 21 second version of Far Cry. Motown, let it be. Let it Motown. I need you to let it be. That in September of 1980, you did not receive a version of Far Cry that consisted of six minutes and 21 seconds. And you mutilated it down to an arbitration stopping point of four minutes and 28 seconds. I, Motown, I, Motown, just, I can't, I can't move beyond this moment in time <laughs> with you. Um, unless that is what happened. Unless you did not in September of 1980, you did not receive a six minute and 21 minute version of Far Cry. I need it to be that that is not what happened. I need it to be that when you got those master tapes in September of 1980, the version of Far Cry was Marvin Gaye's rough draft. He was work. He was work. He was doing that. He was working on that. He was making that and he was not done with that. And so you received an arbitration cutoff point of four minutes and 28 seconds of that song. I don't know that I can go along with that. I am not the one. You ain't gonna puppeteer me. I, I don't, people, some, listen to the two versions. It's just that, that's an arbitration point. Without hesitation, pause too seamlessly when you are listening to Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry from 1980, you go from second four and 28 seconds into four and 29 seconds with too much seamlessness, too much continuation, too much continuing. Like if I started this breath on the inhale to the exhale, it's the same breath from second to second. I, I don't know if it's possible that four minutes and 28 seconds is not an arbitration of mutilation that took place and is worthy of a class action lawsuit. And if nothing else, a caption of fuck Motown. The only thing I'm going to try right now, because I, the only thing is that now and since 2007 we have the ability to hear Marvin Gaye's version of it it's six minutes and it's 21 seconds long and that is what Marvin Gaye was working on and continued working on and was not done working on in September of 1980 and finished in November of 1980 and when January 1981 happened maybe January 1981 shouldn't have fucking happened maybe it needed to be April or May of 1981 so that Marvin Gaye's completed project could have been what we received Fuck my town. But (sighs) 
it can be, it, it has been rectified now. There's more damages that are due. There's more damages that are due. I want to sue for the fact that for 12 years as fan number one, and I will make sure that I keep that titleization because I'm about to listen to this fucking 48 minute thing as soon as I finish recording this. <laughs> I. Do you know, do you know, I, I can't, I am entitled some damages. I'm entitled some damages for the fact that for 12 years, I was not, I was living life without a certainty if there would ever come a point that I was going to be able to hear this un, do you under the damage? I was not knowing. And I didn't, and I did not have to not know. I'm entitled to some damages. So it's kind of, it's like, it's not enough that it's here now. Do you know what I'm saying? But it is. And we're at this place in life right now where there's some like absolute ways of having to think about things. This dude that was in the Kello documentary and in the, um, he wasn't in the Kello documentary. He was in the MTV documentary. The guy that says that Marvin Gaye was the baddest motherfucker that there ever is to the degree to which he could just come down to your local basketball court and get a pickup game with you and you didn't have to jack him. <laughs> <laughs> he says that Marvin would use the terminology that in life there are some absolutes. We are in a place in time in the existence of this planet where we're dealing with a lot of absolutes about things. Things are in a very absolutish type of level. And, um, at least that being the case, right now, today, we have access to Marvin Gaye's version of Far Cry. There's still some damages that are due, even despite that fact. But let's set that aside for a second. It's some reparations that we're never going to get. But let's have an appreciation that in this absolute time of life... A resource that is available is the unedited version of Far Cry. Now, I'm going to even let you know, this has all poured out of my soul right now to you. I haven't listened to this song today in the past month. I haven't listened to this song lately. This is a... I can't listen to this song all the time. I cannot listen to Marvin Gaye's 6 minute and 21 second version of this song all the time. Because it, it's... <laughs> why couldn't I have been hearing this the whole time? So, the depth of the messaging in this song is why there are damages that are due. But I'm about to go listen to that. I can guarantee you. Let me go listen to this as my gift to do the work that I have to do to listen to that Pink Floyd song, album, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, this is the ultimate of the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye.
And it is one that you are entitled to some damages for the fact of the pain, the undue pain and emotional trauma that you had to experience in the number of years of life that it was your situation. It is either 26 years because you were alive and in the buying public in 1981 when this project was released and you did not receive it at that point in time, or you were alive and a part of the buying public since 1994 when this album was first pressed out onto compact disc and you bought it then, and then maybe was the first time that you were made aware that what you had been listening to since 1981 was not Marvin's version of the song. And then that began to create this knowledge of this undo pain and suffering that you were going to have to endure without a knowledge of if it was ever going to end. There was the possibility that you were not going to be here on this planet anymore and you would not have been able to have heard this. And you didn't, you had no way of telling if that would ever not be your plight. So just because in 2007, this kind of under the radar slid into just not being announced, not being highlighted, and then you just had to rip this shit the fuck open and pray and hold your breath and see, and then you got to it, and then you listened until four minutes and 28 seconds, and with one inhale, exhale, same breath, it's flowing into 429 until 621, and this is what was Marvin's product and art and the level of message that he is giving to you. In these absolute times in life, I'm going to just choose right now to appreciate this enduring gift. Life has been real since we last talked. Um, it's gotten real, real intense. It's gotten real absolute. It's gotten real life and death for uh, members of my family. Uh, I've gotten something onto the news, and I'm going to leave it at that. But that's what's been going on with my life since last we talked. And this, these are definitely some absolute times that we're dealing with people. So I feel all the way, the way about every single minute that I've been talking to you about the importance and the depth of the damages that are due for the pain and suffering that was caused for the unknown amount of time that I was going to have to go through life without knowing if I was going to be able to get Marvin's art. But I have gotten Marvin's art. And so, you know what, I'm going to treat myself to some medicine right now. And that is Marvin's art. And I'm going to understand that I'll probably be getting, you know, a treat of the rarest of Marvin's art. <clears throat> uh, subsequent to six minute and 21 seconds that I'm about to blissfully experience. And then I'm going to dive into some doctorate level, even for my ass level experience of some Marvin Gaye art in this Pink Floyd Marvin Gaye requiem of a dream project <laughs> and so i gotta go get that because i gotta go make sure i ain't forfeiting this title to nobody okay all right guys i love you stay strong stay prayed up stay safe and 
We'll be in touch soon. Love you. Bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. (laughs) Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Follow us on Pinterest, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, we are up to 45,000 views per month. I have thousands of images and videos of Marvin. Also, check out the YouTube channel, Marvin Gaye's Enduring Gifts. I'm building the song of the day playlist there. It's my ultimate goal to become your free online Marvin Gaye listening resource. So as always, we really appreciate your listening support. Give us subscribes, give us likes, and thank you for listening. Thank you.